Hey there. We just wanted to take a quick moment here to tell you that everything we do, both on the Escape Collective Podcast Network and over at escapecollective.com, all those things are funded by our members. So if you're already a member, we are grateful. We really appreciate you being part of the community. And if you're not, well, we hope you will consider becoming one. It is thanks to the support of our members that we are able to do really everything that we do. So we hope you head on over to escapecollective.com slash join, and you'll see that you can sign up for a monthly plan, or you can save a little bit of money and become a yearly member. You'll be supporting, well, this podcast and, and all the other podcasts. Placeholders, Wheel Talk, Geek Warning, the Pretty Serious Bike Racing Podcast. You'll also be supporting the website, and you'll get full access to the website with no paywall. So we hope you will consider becoming a member today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Escape Collective Tour Daily. I'm Kaylee Fretz. We are, well, Johnny Long, set the scene for me. We are in a little courtyard with lots of red plastic chairs. Everyone's out drinking at quarter to eight on Wednesday, 12th of July. Look at that tremendously fat baby. There's a a chubby baby. Someone ordered waffle fries, I guess you would call them, which I've never seen in France. Ian Trellor, Hi. Um, how is your quaff today? Uh, I think it's three knuckles. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the most stomach-churning, uh, <laughs> whatever it's called, measurement. When we, when we were doing a member exclusive, one of the questions that came in, which unfortunately we didn't get to answer, was how high is his hair, really? And I, I started just sticking my head into my hair to, to measure you it. Get my, my finger. And it is three knuckles. It's a three knuckles. D- is that I? Ha- I've never asked this question of you before. Is do you put like product in it in the morning? <laughs> is that how you get it to stay up, or is it cut like that? And it's just years of. Is it cut like that? I don't know. Cut, cut tall. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they do in Australia. Uh, I mean, there's there's. Let's take a glob of pig fat. Whoop! Stick it all in yeah, there. Yeah, is that what you're doing? I'd say that we've got like a mat a mat moose kind of ah, situation. Mat moose. Um, Brother of Yordi, but I, I feel like I'm revealing too much. This is this is where the magic happens. Yeah, you need to keep some happens. mystique. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, what we need in this podcast: more mystique. If I could, if I could pause really briefly on the hair chat that I did start. Uh, Jasper Philipson won another bike race today. He is on four, which is pretty amazing. And he said today he thinks there are potentially three more opportunities. Are we going to have a seven-stage win, Jasper Philipson? Oh, probably. I don't think that Dylan Grunewagen was really up to the task today. No, not even close. No. My really. friend, Dylan Grunewagen. Your friend. The one the one member who's not on Go Team Friendship this <laughs> tour. Uh, Kaylee, you also missed a perfect segue talking about hair. You could have then gone to Alperson oh. Hair Shampoo into Jasper Philipson. But don't let me tell you how to run this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, he I won, regret the error. He won a, a canter again. No Matthew van der Poel to lead him out. Uh, it was it was like quite a nervous finish with like a bit of rain. Jumbo Visma was sort of really making sure they're at the front so much so that it like it it was making it more trepidatious. It felt there was I a moment w- with Jonas Vingago where it was. I was way more worried about Vingago than I was about Pogacar, and I, we couldn't see Tadej yeah. Pogacar because he was just like back somewhere. Hanging just out. out, and yeah. Jonas Vingo was like, "I'm just gonna elbow some sprinters and see how that goes." And he ended yeah. up like in the grass at he, one point. 
Was it him trying to... He was either trying to get rid of Philippe off his wheel or like Alex Kirsch. And if it was Alex Kirsch, he's quite a bit bigger. Philippe moved him back into the wheel. Oh, he did it for him. Philippe literally like was, ah. was sort of stuck in behind the Yumbo train and grabbed... Jonas Vingergaard like, and was like, what there, are you doing? There. Follow this guy. <laughs> I will follow you. It was actually... like That's very kind. It, it was kind. very kind. He's a kind man. Showed a huge amount of respect for the yellow jersey, huge amount of respect for the defending champion. Also, I don't think Philippe really wanted to be anywhere near the front at that point in time. So nah. somewhat self-serving as well. Also in the sprint, we had big boy Alexander Kristoff. Yeah, that was exciting for a moment. When that was you were very like, exciting. He's going like, to do it. He's, like, he's got it. He's not going to do it. He, does he not. didn't do it. And, and he was also blamed. He was the reason uh, cited by Dylan Grunewagen why Dylan Grunewagen didn't win, which was a bit mean. <laughs> well, basically, so Grunewagen said that he was on Christoph's wheel, and he's like, oh, yeah, perfect. Massive guy. Going to accelerate. I'm going to jump off his wheel. I'm going to win this bicycle race. And then he basically said that Christoph just never accelerated. Is which is like a really paying attention for a really like brutal, <laughs> a really really brutal assessment of Christoph's sprint today. Hey, he finished sixth. Uh, Brian Cocard finished fourth and is currently second in the green jersey competition. And as much as I like Jasper Philipson, I love Brian Cocard for his never winning a tour stage, yeah. despite always almost winning tour stages. It'd be stages. great if he managed to. Not win a tour stage in six editions, but win the green jersey. I mean, if Jasper Philipson doesn't make it across the mountains, which is entirely possible, if he catches Brian the Cocard could the be the green jersey yeah. at the Tour de France, and I think that would be fantastic. We dare to dream. We dare to dream, indeed. Uh, other talking points from today: uh, it was yeah, it was rainy, kind of nasty into the finish, and it is worth pointing out that this was not the same sort of easy. I think carpet ride is what it was called. Uh, where Jesper Philipson didn't really have a lead out. Like, he had kind of guys to put him in place, but he did most of the finale on his own. He surfed the wheels, and he still... In fact, he was really boxed in at about 500 to go, yeah. even about 350 to go, found a gap on the left-hand side and worked his way through it, and as soon as he had open air in front of him, faster, yeah. he was just so much faster than anybody else. It was, it was his most impressive sprint win for me by a long way. Not to get all British about it, but if Mark Cavendish was in the race, I think he would have definitely won a stage by now. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Like We th we sort of thought that the, the sprint... Maybe it is, and Phillips is just that good, but we, we kind of thought that the sprint field at this tour was, was pretty exceptional, right? Like Almost all the big names have yeah. shown up. You know, most of them, there wasn't anybody sort of went to the Giro for some random reason. We've got them all here, and yet Philipson is cleaning up, really. He's just that much better, isn't he? And it kind of takes this thing out of the sprint battle where you have different guys winning different days and it sort of builds a narrative. But like we saw with Grunewagen, like he was upset like and like quiet straight after the race, but then after a while he'd warmed up and was given like sort of smiley interviews because I guess if there's one guy who keeps on beating everyone, it's way easier to accept that than like everyone else winning a stage and you not winning one. If there's just one guy who's clean up for you, like, well, what, what, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, although I think sprinters always think that they could do it. I mean, you've got to, otherwise you don't, yeah. you know. You don't well, get and, and it, is, it is much more about timing and tactics and... It's not just exercise. All that sort of... It's not just an exercise contest. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. We need to do that as a t-shirt. Not t -shirt. just an exercise contest. that should be one of our first like gimmicky t-shirts. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, escape bot. Go make the t-shirt. Yeah, beep, bop, beep, bop. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, that's, boop. that's programming the instructions yep. into the escape bot. <laughs> Any other talking points from today? Andre Amador didn't want to go in the breakaway. 
That was pretty funny. Uh, for anybody who missed the first like half hour bike racing, Andre Amador from EF Education Easy Post uh, did a little attack, and he was kind of hoping some guys would come with him, and then nobody did, and he's like, uh-uh, uh, I am not riding 100 and what was 175k today yeah, something crazy i am not riding 175k by myself so he literally he basically played a game of chicken with the entire peloton and just kept slowing down and the peloton kept slowing down until finally some riders came up to him it was great i loved it daniel also was up there in the breakaway who was i've already forgotten who oh, is it oh, was it our man yep matthias lavelle yep lavelle was up there and daniel Oss won the most combative good for him good for him yeah it's nice to see him do something it's the only thing that team has done so far this race. So Pierre has been up there a couple Matthew of times. Bergadou. Matthew Bergadou. has been in the breakaway. Pierre he's Latour been out sprinting yeah, Matteo Jorgensen. Or of a Matthew Bergadont. He's Bergadou's biding his time. Peter Sagan. I actually just hand. added Matthew Bergadou to... I, I play like four different fantasy games while I'm over here with my friends. And I just added him to one of them. So. I... There's something about fantasy which just like ruins sports and competition for me. Really? Yeah, it puts a pressure on that. I don't. I already enjoy it. It just makes me more often than not. It's going to make you not happy with the result. My favorite is. fantasy, of course, is our own Escape Collective fantasy competition, which I think is now closed. So if you're not in it, oh. sorry. <laughs> Next year. On Next that, year. On that though, big day for the boys. Both Johnny and me. Yeah. Finally, Jasper Phillips. Jasper Phillips and. <laughs> For the previous three stage wins, but we did today. I really well. I was hoping that we would then jinx it. Where are we up to? We're looking at the leaderboard. We're looking at the, the leaderboard for the Escape I'm Collective up to fifth. staff. That is outrageous! Considering I accidentally picked Jasper Stoyven one day, the I should <laughs> be. I, what you're not mentioning is the fact that I'm currently winning of all of the entire yeah, Escape Collective crew. We have to crew. let you win. It's like letting the boss win. You know, at the at the Christmas party game of table tennis or some bullshit. <laughs> it's true. Anybody who finishes above me is fired. Yeah. Organic friendship. <laughs> uh, oh, there was uh, one other thing I, I thought of. Um, for, uh, the whole Jasper disaster nickname has been turned into Jasper the Master, which I I hate it. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> but what I do like is... Jasper go faster? Well, I was thinking more a nickname for another rider, but mm. along similar designs of Jasper Disaster. Maybe Brian Cockard, as he still hasn't won a stage, we could call Lecoq not so sportif. Which maybe is a bit rude, but then if he wins the green jersey, then we'll have to come up with a different one. Uh, I'm assuming... Amer so Americans might not be aware of... The brand. The, the brand that, that you're talking about. A they probably are. Deeply French pair of trainers. <laughs> deeply, yes. deeply French. Lecoq Sportif. I, I yeah. almost bought some today, in fact. Like sports wear company. I think they're big in the UK in the noughties. Ah. Uh, I don't know if you see They've got anymore. a rooster on the side. <laughs> yeah, it's like Lacoste, but instead of an alligator, it's a rooster. That is, per that is the perfect uh, explanation, yeah. Um, yeah, there's rain. It was very safe. I'm I'm about to finish a story that is tentatively yeah. called "Why Aren't They Falling Down." That's better than uh, than some of the <laughs> some of the titles that you have just spitballed with us, which sounded like someone just putting in a Google search inquiry without any of the the relevant bits. It was just like breakaways. How? <laughs> like what, Kelly? <laughs> 
It's uh, it's similar but completely different to like um, Peter Cyclopublications. Yeah, cycling publications <laughs> that do like Peloton quote marks happy to not have many mass pileups this Tour de France. The Peloton is very happy not to have many mass quote pileups happy. this Tour de France. They are quote, <laughs> quote it, happy. Uh, no, we actually we had so we had a question about this from the Escape Collective Discord, and so one I thought I should write a story about it, and two we can briefly explain on this podcast. I've actually chatted with a couple different riders over the last few days about why this is. Because if you, if you sort of look back, it, it has been an exceptionally safe first week. And that's good. That's great. That's, that's what we're hoping for. Generally, the first week is chaotic and yeah. stressful and just bad scenes, right? Big crashes. Like, I think the, 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 sort of the, the marquee first week crash is like a dead straight motorway. And... Yeah. The camera, the TV camera, just cuts, and there's like a mess of bikes. And there's like the forty guys on, the, on yeah. the ground, right? That's like the classic first week crash, and we haven't had one of those yet. The closest thing we had was the Let's calf crash wood because we're yeah, we're, we're touching, we're touching wood, we're touching wood. Uh, the closest thing we had was the calf crash, and he was the only one that got hurt in that, and it was really slow motion and weird. So, I, yeah, I asked, I asked riders why, and and basically what they're saying is it's a lot of it comes down to the route this year, and a couple different things. One. The first, very first stage sort of sorted the general classification, and that really helps. When the GC guys kind of know where they stand, and when you've already dropped a huge number of riders that, like, know that they're not going to get a yellow jersey ever, that's already out the window, it calms the whole race down. The second thing was we've had this, we've talked about this a number of different times. We had this sort of, like, back and forth between easy... Two hard stages, two easy stages, two hard stages, two easy stages. And basically what that has done is the easy stages are actually easy. As opposed to normally in the first week, even if it's a flat stage, everyone's so kind of amped up and ready to go and fresh that they make those flat stages really hard. And those hard moments, you know, a moment's in attention at high speed, you end up with these giant crashes. As opposed to those sort of two easy days early in the week where they're just cruising along at like 35k an hour. No crashes. Yeah. Now you just have Jonas Fingerl pranging out and being like, I need to be on the, the third wheel. That was excessive today. That was excessive. But anyway, I, it's, it's great to see. And I also, it sort of reinforces what we've been saying about this route, which is I genuinely think it's the best route I've seen of the Tour de France since I've been watching the Tour de France. And granted could be sort of proven wrong in in the next 10 days here (laughs) but so far it's been exceptional on a number of fronts in terms of excitement in terms of safety it's just been in terms of us having dinner at a reasonable hour for all these the most important the most important thing to everyone in terms of all of these things it's been it's been a phenomenal tour de france and even today where it's not been the most exciting stage of the race I, that's fine you can have exciting like exciting days and less exciting days it's like watching like a film where there's peaks and troughs of the narrative and maybe yep. there's like a large cut scene that takes too long but it's like it's fine because there will be an exciting thing soon so I will yep. watch this and enjoy it for what it is take a breather and then get back on the action the next day or the day after and I asked uh, Kevin Vermark about this yesterday who is Kevin Vermark Kaylee? Kevin Vermark is an American in this bicycle race who I had I don't think ever spoken with before. I I uncovered the existence of Kevin Vermark <laughs> on like stage two I think, where I was like, oh, I saw someone ride past, and I did not think Louis Vivaker 
uh, was American? Has he changed nationality or something? We had a very, we had a very quick, frantic Googling session. Like, no, he's definitely not. <laughs> I went not. wandering over to Sudal Quickstep to see if there was any Americans over there. <laughs> it was really good. It was real day two of bike, bike race vibes. Of like, who's in this race? Who are they? What is this man? Kevin Vermarka, who? He's an exceptionally nice man. He is the winner of the 2019 U23 Liège Bastogne Liège. Uh, from Orange County, California. Orange, from Orange County, California. He was just a month ago in a successful breakaway at the Tour de Suisse, and he ended up in somewhere in the top like five or six in the Tour de Suisse on that day. Strong rider here at this race. He is he's a domestique. He is working, you know, between the sort of the sprint side and the GC side of DSM. And, yeah, I caught up with him the other day for the first time ever just because I like to say hi to my fellow Americans in the bicycle race. Uh, howdy? Pride. Did you not say howdy? Boy, howdy. No, no, we say, yeah. Uh, it's a secret handshake, actually. Okay. Yeah. We don't let you see it. How it, did this come up again? You were talking uh, to Kevin Vermarka. About... Uh, oh, have I just derailed things? No, I, I was trying to remember as well. Well, he's one of two Kevins in the race. And <laughs> another fact, he's got a very competent bus driver in his squad. Yes. Yes, he does. Uh, I, we'll get to that later, then. We will, we will get to bus driver. Uh, I can't remember I how was making a point and using <laughs> this discussion with Kevin Mark, which I talked about a number safety, of different things with him. safety, the routes. Something about the routes. This is great podcasting. <laughs> this is the first time in 12... 11 stages we've done 12 stages we're getting tired this. yeah we're getting I'm tired I'm sorry I can't help but feel like I am responsible for that You slightly hmm. we've lost the train of thought it anyway it was great to chat with Kevin <laughs> uh, if, if you're a fan of Kevin uh, I'm going to do a little story with Kevin sometime soon I chatted with him the other day I'll probably chat with him one or two more times He's already made it further in this Tour de France than he's ever made it before. He crashed out in stage eight last yeah. year. Big, nasty crash. Said that it took him a while to recover from that mentally, physically. Uh, but he's back at this Tour de France. How old is he? Is he young? He's pretty young. I mean, he was the U23 in 2019. So okay. he can't be, can't be particularly old. I don't, I don't no. know, actually. Early 20s. Um, yeah, super, super nice fella. And... We talked about some things that were related to what we were just talking about, and I can't remember where we went. We're we'll going find, with that. We'll, so. we'll listen back and then find <laughs> out. Then we'll bring you back to. Maybe we'll have a Kevin corner. Tomorrow. We'll have a Kevin corner tomorrow where I will remember what on earth I was talking about, and then we will. Uh, we'll and bring Kevin back. Up. I'll just shut up. And I think you're taking you. too much. Uh, what is the word? Too much blame. We've cra- have we cracked? I don't think we've cracked. <laughs> maybe one wheel has fallen off, but we can we can we're unicycling this now. back in. Yep. Unicycling onwards through the Tour de France. That's fine. Well, we have a couple segments. We got we got segments. We have so many segments today. <laughs> Do we want to start with? I, I'd like to Christoph start with Corner? A, no. I, I think th- I don't have a Christoph Corner. Today. I think you should do a contents table of the various corners you're going to lead <laughs> us into today. I'd like to start with the corrections corner. So Christoph Corner, just to clarify, is spelled K and K. Obviously. So and Corrections Corner. Is Corrections Corner also K's? Do we stick so. with it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. That reminds me that I need to, to do a Christoph Corner tag on my Christoph Corner articles on the website. I haven't Corrections done. Corner with Corrections spelled wrong is actually quite <laughs> on brand. So let's, yeah, let's do it. What's, what's Corrections so Corner? So Corrections Corner today, uh, we went over to the Lidl Trek bus and spoke to Love Island Jacob over there. And Mustache he, coming in nicely. It is. I did. I was going to mention that to him, but I felt we'd we'd 
taking the, the limits of our friendship. Yeah, pu- yep. pushed the limits of what we were. Yeah, he had heard about. through the grapevine, although not on the podcast itself, uh, <laughs> that I had uh, been talking smack about him giving Mads Pedersen some Lidl branded board shorts on the day that he won in Limoges. And I, I think that I uh, said that that was, that was not an actual genuine purchase, that he'd just used company expenses and then recharged it back. Um, so You were saying it was all a it big was a bullshit con. Gift. Yeah, you're yeah. S- yeah. But he told me that, in fact, he actually paid for those shorts out of his own pocket for himself. Yeah. He was buying Lidl merch for himself. A company man to the, to the end. <laughs> and then generously gave those to Mads Peterson. And who has th- not relinquished them? Who has not given them back? He wore them and he kept them. <laughs> so now Love Island Jacob is down a pair of little branded board shorts, which is quite um, and a towel and a towel. Uh, sorry, I forgot the towel. Also, here's a, here's a guess. Uh, I think Mess Peterson probably earns more than Love Island Jacob, and should pay him back. Should well, we? I'm, I'm sure <laughs> that he'll be Let's counting on those campaign. nine euros. Uh, do you want to? Well, speaking of press officers paying for things themselves, do you yeah. want to use that as a segue into your next... Is this a corner, technically? It's... Uh, it could be Boulangerie Boulevard. Mm. That sounds good. That sounds pretty good to me. So, I got a tip-off on, I think, the Escape Collective Discord, and I can't find the message right now. If you if you were the person that sent me this, you know who you are. You know what you've done. <laughs> thank uh, you. <laughs> thank you. Um, there was, on the rest day, some pictures of Tade Pogaccia and Mikkel Björk enjoying some local produce. There's a video of Pogaccia as well, riding along with one hand, chomping into a baguette. So there was... Uh, yeah, Mikkel Bjork was holding a, a big baguette and then a later video of Tadej Pogaccia munching on a baguette. And I think whoever this tipster was wondered whether that was the same baguette, which is a valid question. So I, I did a little bit of These are the questions it. that we want our Discord members asking. Yeah. Is and that, they were right. The headspace, the headspace we're trying to curate. Yep. Just, just uh, think that you've gotten a little bit deranged, and then go a little bit further. Yeah. Um, so I did, I did some analysis of the pictures that I'd seen, and there was <laughs> zoom something in, specific zoom in again. About enhance, enhance, enhance. <laughs> uh, there was something very specific about the crust on this baguette, which. So you were, me, you were looking at crust patterns. I was looking at crust <gasps> patterns, and I think I found one. So I, I went up to Luke, who's the press officer at UAE Team Emirates, and I said, Luke, and he said, don't start with us now, <laughs> which I think is... Uh, you met him for the first time the other day, because he was asking after you. He's like, Ian's on the tour, right? I've seen him doing things. So yeah, I'll tempt to come up and say hello. Yeah, and I, now I he's, he's going to be regretting that for the rest of his, his life. I said, don't worry, it's just for the podcast. It's not going to be on the website. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's... I don't know if it's good or bad that my dumb bullshit has preceded me, but... So what in was the answer? Case? Yeah, what, hap- what was the so, outcome okay. of So I said, surely the UAE Team Emirates budget could stretch to two baguettes for the boys. So and that's he, a said, he said, UAE Team Emirates budgets didn't come into it. He paid for the baguette himself. What is up with these press officers buying stuff with is their own all, money? Does petty cash not exist anymore <laughs> in, the, in the year of our old 2023? So have they heard of Dex? Dex is it? Dex would be a great sponsor of this podcast. It'd be very apt. Dext. So, Dext. Where we put our beer receipts after <laughs> we make a podcast. Wait, can we We can do that? No. 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 <laughs> I'm just checking. You never know. Always might as well try. Um, yeah, so he'd, he'd bought the baguette out of his own pocket and then given it to Mikkel Björk to pose with. Mikkel had passed on the baguette. 
and given it to Tade. Tade had ridden along with it, and I think in Luke's words, he had, quote, seen the opportunity, and then they'd filmed a little video of him munching on a baguette. He popped it back in his pocket, and then, I, I quite like this about Tade Pogaccia, it speaks to his character. Instead of just throwing it out, they had kept the baguette, and he had given the baguette to the chef, and then they'd served it up for dinner. I like the idea of get, get, getting given a sh- like giving a chef a baguette like it's like, well, half eaten. Eaten. like an unplucked chewed. duck or something yeah. like that to go make for dinner. It's just a fucking baguette. Yeah, that has been in th- three people's hands by that point. Do you guys have the TV show Ready Steady Cook where the chefs on like amateur chefs are given uh, like mystery ingredients and they have to just like make a meal in like an allotted period of time do you have that ready steady cook no uh we have very similar things yes yeah. it's like a version of that but worse we have like top chef and that's a rubbish name top chef ready steady stuff. cook we have like junior top chef where it's like kids doing it oh oh that's a good ramsey one no i don't know Okay, this is not our... Now we're just talking about cooking shows. <laughs> Guys, let me hair. tell you about MasterChef. <laughs> Maybe that's what it's called? I don't, any, I don't know. Anyway, uh, um, yeah, that is funny. Yeah. I loved that, and I love the fact that he saved the baguette, yeah. and I wonder... I, I don't think the chefs did. <laughs> probably not. I still wonder why these press people are buying things with their own money. Well, or are they lying to us? It was only two euro. But I don't still. think they're lying. It no. may just be not worth expensing two euro baguettes. It had oh, the ring of truth to me. <laughs> so is that, was that Baguette Boulevard? Or we That's Baguette Boulevard, which I think segues nicely into Johnny's, uh, Johnny's run-in with press officers at Sudal Quickstep and also about carbs. What did you find oh, out yeah. from Sudal Quickstep? Uh, well, the, when we were in Limoges, we're heading everything, Great town. Every, all roads lead back to Limoges. <laughs> We, we just finished our reporting on the stage. We're heading out to dinner to record our podcast, just walking care, you know, carefree down the street. Came across the Sudal Quickstep Hotel where they were staying. It was uh, like an Ibis or something, uh, just on the pavement, like like regular guys, and parked on the pavement. We are not like regular guys, <laughs> Outside the hotel was the catering van. So all the teams will have catering vans. Uh, to cook the meals because it's just easier than having to you know the riders can't be eating mini croissants from budget hotel French chains every day that's not going to work um, and on, written on the wall which was made out of like whiteboard material was written what all the riders were having for dinner in terms of grammage of carbohydrates and protein and like the granola makeup it all sounded very unappetizing when expressed in like numeric if you if you look at menu and everything's numerical that's not delicious it's not good no um, but it's also pork. how teams operate these days which it is, is kind of terrifying it's, it's performance isn't it that's why we have press conferences from Jonas Vingago that are like the shipping forecast um, <laughs> but the most intriguing thing about the Sudal Quickset menu was up top where the the chef had listed out the desserts that everyone that, that the riders and the whole team were going to get throughout the tour like it had, it had dates where it was like a number and then a forward slash a number where it's all spaced out and it going in rotation things like bread pudding winter desserts are translated from dutch or flemish which i don't win, i don't i tried to google what a winter dessert is that is. just like ice cream or something well that's sh- not a I winter sh- dessert that's a summer dessert what are you talking about yeah, but like ice is Wintery. The Belgians are very literal. You have to remember that it could just be that's ice how cream. they could call. That's what they could call ice cream. Oh, a cold um, one. 
And American pancakes, they only had that scheduled for two days. What's an American pancake? One was pancake? today. It's, well, I assume it's like a thicker one rather than like a ah, crepe. Instead of a crepe. Um, so we have fun article, you know, here's what Juliana Philippe's having for dessert. Uh, sent the picture and a little message over to Sidal Quickstep, who replied back, being like, sorry, um, you don't have permission to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to publish pictures taken from inside the truck. And it's like, it was on the pavement. And we think people want to know how many times Drew Stevens is going to be eating brewed pudding this tour. So now it's out there in the world, and it's probably the last time that anyone ever finds that out, because... It's I probably the last time you'll speak to Sudal Quickstep. Yeah, I th that, this tour might not be a problem for that, but time heals all wounds, it's fine. Uh, and next year there'll be a new menu for us to uncover. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, other thing I was going to say about uh, Mikhail Björg and your AT members from today's stage was his message over the radio that was broadcast on television, which is one of the biggest moments which of the day. Which was fa fantastic today. It speaks to the depths of boringness uh, that, we have, that we have sunk to with the radio messages that are yeah. being broadcast. We, we thought, particularly based on some of the stuff that was put out from the women's race last year, that potentially this would be quite cool, that we would get some insight into stuff from the team cars. Turns out... They're either not giving us anything good or they're not saying anything good because for the most part, these radio calls that they've been putting on the broadcast are just, they don't inform anything. Positive reinforcement. It's just like, come on, boys, you can do it. Come on, come Remember, on. eat, drink, get prepared for final. Keep Jonas near the front. <laughs> That's it. You're a motorbike, Wild. You're a motorbike. <laughs> come on, boys. Are we all just doing Grisha Nierman? I think so. Okay. I think that's the quintessential yep. sports director. We should talk to him this tour. We should. I Has anyone asked about how he feels about the whole thing? I haven't seen that yet. Uh, but yes, he... So, Mikkel Bjerg from UAT Emirates, with 150 kilometers to go in the stage, with the gap to the breakaway at three minutes, nothing happening. The little graphic pops up where all oh, the radio communications come from UAT Emirates. Who could it be? Turns out it was Mikhail Bjerg. We thought it was from the team car originally. Should I try and do a Mikhail Bjerg accent? I don't really want no. to. It's too risky. Uh, okay, guys. Now we do plan C. Everybody jump the tiger. When the crocodiles have to swim, you jump. <laughs> Which is great. Which is great. It's, all, it's the closest the peloton's got to poetry. So here's the interesting thing. Uh, Bjerg was asked about this after the stage. And he said that ASO came to them this morning and said, why are you being so boring on the radios? And so this was their response. That's pretty brutal from ASO. It's Notoriously lively people. <laughs> <laughs> but also they have been. They've been exceptionally boring on the radios. And I think that maybe answers the question we were asking earlier, which is, is there nothing interesting happening on the radios or are they just like removing the good stuff or never, never publishing the good stuff? Something maybe there's just not much happening. I, I find that hard to believe, honestly. But I'm that's excited what it for like. I'm excited for the radios to enter the fake news era. I'm excited for Yumbo Visma to to start playing mind games back and just be like, "Come on, Jonas, the carrots are cooked and the pigeon has flown." We we have been quite critical of uh, Yumbo Visma's lack of uh, sort of humanity and charisma. charisma. Normal human emotion. Yeah, this tour. Which, you know, we, we stick by that. This morning I did see some 
some charisma <laughs> at the Jumbo Visma bus, there was quite a young-looking guy to be given an interview to a Dutch TV station. I think he might be like a mechanic or something. Um, and then another Jumbo Visma staff member sort of ran up behind him and started squirting him with a t- teeny tiny water pistol. Um, I presume he bought that water pistol with him to the tour and waited or more than a week and a half to get out of his bag and be like, today's the day. Or got the team press officer to buy it for him. <laughs> <laughs> the secret economy of the Tour de France. I got a very American A from Sepp Goose today. Did you? As he rode by and, and recognized me. Because we, we were wearing masks in the, in the ah. paddocks. Recognized me for the first time. That's fun. Yeah. Never. Not the first time ever. We're in the same city. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's the guy at the I grocery sk- store. Ski with his mother on a regular basis. <laughs> that dude from Whole Foods. <laughs> uh, no, no. Just so that first was, on this tour. Yeah. yeah. I was actually going to go ask Sep what he thinks of all of us thinking that they are very uptight. Oh, he, yeah, Sep's a nice. Sepastian is a nice guy. He's a very nice. He guy. would never dub them in. He would just be like, he probably enjoys the fact that they're just like regular humans who are trying to get on with the job. I reckon. Yeah. And he does his job very well. Yeah, he does. You know, I imagine the the riders themselves don't necessarily want all of the race and the people they work with to be sort of boisterous and pranking and up to tomfoolery they probably just want a nice quiet life yeah I, I mentioned this before but shout out to Payson Payson I don't actually know how to pronounce your last name is it McKelveen or McElveen not sure uh, anyway go check out his podcast with Sepp Coos from before the Tour de France it's very good uh, it's one of the better interviews I've heard with Sepp uh, Sepp's not cagey he's just not really like super chatty but those two guys have a lot in common. They've known each other for a long time. So if you want more Sepp Kuss, go go look for that one. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm I'm repaying. Payson had us had me on on his podcast shortly before the tour, which I was an experience I enjoyed. Uh, it's a good pod. Go check it out. I feel like with a name like Payson, it doesn't matter if you can't pronounce their second name because surely there aren't that many Paysons knocking about. There's not that many Paysons. Yeah. Anyway, we have. Um, Are there any more corners? We have two more corners. Or you mean just segments? Segments. There's yeah. a there's a very clear distinction between segment and corner. Can okay, we? sorry. We have two more segments. A corner can be a segment, but a, a segment, segment is not can necessarily never, a corner. Never be a corner. Like all puppies are dogs, but not all dogs are puppies. Yes. Yeah. Very much like that. And okay. how uh, ponies aren't baby horses. <laughs> Found that out disastrously late, late in my uh, life. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's do let's do Maya Sabla first. Okay, great. That's something I do know about. We have two is quizzes. The first question, is it the same person as yesterday? <laughs> is it? Because it was a so, sprint stage. We have a new Maya Sabla today. Ooh yes. la la. Boy, oh, we, oh, we do, we, sorry, we do have another corrections corner. Well, not corrections corner. We forgot to mention Matthias Lavelle, who was a previous holder of the Maya Sabla. A uh, Discord member pointed out, I think it was a Discord member pointed yeah, it was out, Discord. Uh, that the reason he probably got the Maestabli on the stage he did is because he was in the breakaway and as Vingago and Pogaccia stormed past, he hung on, hung on to them for a little bit and his for Strava like file, 50 meters. his Strava <laughs> file absolutely went off the, went off the thing. Basically, he's went like chugging chart. along. So this, this puts Pogaccia and uh, Vingago into perspective. He's chugging along, this fella, at... 
375 watts average for the Tourmalet. 375. Pretty good. He hangs on to Pogaccia and Vingigo for like like less than a minute, and it goes like 50, 60 watts higher. That's how much faster those guys are going. Yeah. Wild. Absolutely wild. So today's new Maya Sablo. But that's what got him the Maya Sablo, is your it point. It is. That, yeah, that brief worth moment. It. Yeah. Yeah. 45th place rupture. I think yesterday we were on 46, so now we're 45th. One hour, zero minutes, 17 seconds. Tight. Tight. So you'll go first today. I thought I went first Kayleigh. yesterday. Okay. Would you like serious fact, fun fact, nationality team? That shouldn't take me too long to remember those four things. Uh... Team. EF Education Easy Post. Um, it could be any of them. <laughs> They're all probably all right near there. Uh, Esteban Chavez. Incorrect, unfortunately. Oh. Nationality. United States. Oh, come on. Come on. I feel like this is a trick question. I'm going to have to... I need an answer. Is it Nielsen Palace? Nah, he's Canadian. It is. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> it's Nielsen Palace. He's American. Yes. You is, have that, the point. is that tied up again? Three, three, three. 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 And then three one three. for me. I'm not going to get more than one. This is wonderful. Three, three. three. Yeah, Nielsen That was Palace. a pretty easy one. They're going to get easier and easier, aren't they? Yeah, they will. Yeah. Uh, what I'm going to have to do is when there's riders that uh, start all being around the hour mark, I'm going to have to start finding like really deep knowledge or deep facts about them that then we use to guess so so in addition to the daily mile sabla competition we decided to add another game we've been enjoying the games we've been enjoying the games and we hope you've been enjoying the games and you can and play so, along too was that and they can play along too they're listeners yeah so so if you are faster if you get this faster than johnny and ian you definitely want to let us know uh you want to brag about that to the paris olympics <laughs> You are going to cover the Olympics for Escape Collective. Congratulations. Uh, send true. us a note. Tell us how, how much better at this you are than they are. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to do is, this game is very simple. It's going to be a, a, a simple question that has many answers. And we're going to go back and forth, back and forth until you cannot answer like anymore. Like a verbal tennis match. Yes. So, for example, if I was to say... French riders in the Tour de France. We did that this morning when we were We were playing around, around yeah. with this game this morning between the three of us. You guys go back and forth, back and forth. If you cannot answer, you're out. The other person wins. They only get the point if they can then provide one more. We're going to keep track of this. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think we should just do... We'll, we'll, we'll switch around so each person gets a turn at hosting and then whoever loses out of the two has to buy the round that we're has drinking while we record the podcast. So there we go. Today, we're going to do start or and or finish towns of this Tour de France. And we are going to start... I've, I've got a question. Yep. Is it per place or per, per start or finish? So... Because some, some places have been a start and a finish, or a start twice. Each place can only be named once. Okay. We're I also don't think that's correct. Apart from one. Two. Two. Two? Yeah. 
this this bodes well for my chances in this when, game. <laughs> when Kaylee told us about this game and and the different permutations it could take, I was immediately worried because I just knew it was going to expose some yeah. some deep failings that I've I have. I've got a very as surface a level memory journalist. of what happened yesterday. So let's start with you, Ian. Great. Give me a start and or finish down of this year's Tour de France. It could be already happened or in the future. I can see what you're about to say before you even said it. Bill Bow, the first time. <laughs> Correct. I'll go Clement Front. Correct. San Sebastian. Correct. Moulin. Correct. A Bayonne. Correct. Puy de Dome. Correct. Volcania. <laughs> Correct. Issoir. Correct. Uh, um, Solange. Correct. Oh, we're, oh we're, we're going in the future as you well. You can go into the future. Oh, fantastic. Into the future. Oh, great. When? Didn't you? No. I... Not yet. Now I will. Not now. Oh, no. Mulan was today. Uh, I will go Poe. Wait, 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 wait. We stay in Solange. Oh! oh! The race is never actually in Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Point to Johnny Beers on Ian. I think I had about four more, maybe five. I was your, your scraping at the... Your Oh, Dax. Laruns. Your Laruns. Your... Bordeaux. Did we say that? Where? Bordeaux. Nobody said Bordeaux. You Bordeaux had Libourne, Limoges. Oh, Limoges. You had Rowan, which is tomorrow morning. Belvillon Beaujolais. Something Soleil. Chamonix Mont Blanc. Chamonix Saint Gervais Mont Blanc is coming uh, up. Is there a Soleil one? There is. Uh, oh, the chicken place, Bourgogne Bresse. There yep. is the, the Amarati Bea. Oh, that place, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amarbieta Echano. I, I think the, the pointless answer, which is from, from you, like the one that no one would get, would be the start of the Puy de Dome stage. Oh. Because that's like a multi barreled one where it's like Saint something. Uh, you got it there? saint léonard de Nombla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could write it down on a piece of paper when you remember. We are drifting well, around this land, not taking in anything. <laughs> We're never taking it in, just not the names. So, point to Johnny. Yes. Sorry, Ian. I, I can understand why you would think... Because we stay in Solange for like four or five nights. Yeah, I've heard a lot of bragging about Solange. Ian was just remembering places we discussed with hotels. That's like yeah. the centrally low. That's actually where the rest day is. A thing that I have heard of. Morzine. So the rest day. Oh, well, here's a question. Does that count? The rest, the official rest day location is oh. Solange. Oh, no, I'm right back in the game. It's not a stage. It's not a stage. It's not a start or finish town. The no. game was start or finish. True, start or finish town. Nope, Ian loses. Oh. Johnny wins. Mm-hmm. So, John, uh, Ian, you're on beers, and tomorrow, I'm not going to say exactly what it's going to be, but it'll be something, something else that I will exceed. Well, we've got to switch it around. Surely Ian now comes up with the... Oh, yeah, you have to come up with it, because otherwise I'll know the things. Norwegians, I have made friends with this tour. <laughs> should do Winner Stays On. Winner Stays On? Because then they have the jeopardy of ah. potentially... You know, and so you, then, the you, then you, you add up your points throughout the entire. Yeah, you create a dynasty. Mm, <laughs> I like this. Okay, we're inventing things in real time. We do need to head over to Jose Ben. Yeah. Uh, what have we? What have we rubbish this podcast? And then she will tell us is actually great. Tomorrow we ride to the Beaujolais. 
It's a wine region where marketing from modern times, but also from 600 years ago, really did some serious damage to the Beaujolais brand. Jose Bain's going to tell us all about it. Today, we go to the Beaujolais. It could be an advertising slogan because advertising and hype is what the Beaujolais region does very well. I even remember the hype for the Beaujolais Nouveau from when I was younger. It was especially in the 1970s and 1980s that the hype was there. This is from an article on the Vine Pair website from 2013, and it sums it up quite nicely. Every year, from Thanksgiving to Christmas, one of the strongest wine marketing campaigns takes over. Beaujolais Nouveau season. Wine shops are overtaken with Beaujolais Nouveau displays, restaurants start pouring Beaujolais Nouveau, and people start buying the wine like crazy. The Beaujolais Nouveau trend was started by the French wine merchant Georges Duboeuf, who almost single-handedly is responsible for popularising the annual Beaujolais Nouveau phenomenon, simply as a way to sell more wine. All the hype would lead one, especially a wine newbie, to believe that Beaujolais Nouveau must be worthy of all this attention and the price tag that goes along with it. But guess what? Beaujolais Nouveau actually isn't very good. That said, by Vine Pair, how can it be bottled so soon after harvest, sold early November, and why is it seen as inferior to Burgundy or Bordeaux wines? Well, I'll take you back in history to the 14th century and a libel campaign. Beaujolais Nouveau is a wine that is bottled only six to eight weeks after grapes were picked. This is the modern times. This is thanks to a carbonic maceration technique by Louis Pasteur. This extremely short time period leaves no time for the wine to mature. There's just zero time to develop flavor and depth. In fact, the wine is so underdeveloped that it's recommended that the bottle be drunk almost immediately after you buy it. As long as the wine sits, the worse it becomes. So don't buy your Beaujolais Nouveau bottles in spring when they are on sale. This is really sad, actually, because the Beaujolais region produces good wines as well, especially the ones that are left to mature a lot longer and therefore are not Nouveau. They're actually pretty good. It's the marketing of the Nouveau that ruined it. And also a 14th century smear campaign by the mighty House of Burgundy didn't help. The Beaujolais region is located in the centre-east of France, north of Lyon, and Beaujolais sits just below Burgundy and above the Rhone Valley. Red Beaujolais is made from the Gamay Noir grape. Well, Beaujolais has a reputation up to this date as the less prestigious sibling to Burgundy, the highly regarded wine region directly to the north that is home to the Pinot Noir. This very early marketing or smear campaign around Beaujolais dates back to 1395 when Philip the Bold, the Duke of Burgundy, outlawed the cultivation of the Gamay grape in Burgundy, calling it a bad and disloyal vine. Gamay grapes ripen earlier, are easier to farm than the finicky Pinot Noir, and Philip believed they made for a lower quality wine than his elegant Pinot Noir. 
The fact that the Beaujolais was available earlier than his Burgundy had, of course, nothing to do with the matter. Well, marketing is of all ages and money needs to be made, so don't let yourself be fooled and just drink what you like. A light fruity red wine, low in alcohol, can be great at times, especially with the late afternoon apéro with wine, cheese and charcuterie that coincides with the finish time of our stage. Santé! Thanks to Jose for her daily cultural updates. Uh, as you can probably tell, we're not particularly cultured, and so we really needed to pull her in for that additional knowledge. Uh, yeah, today's episode, a bit looser, perhaps, than, than recent ones, but that's because it was another sprint stage, and that's what we... I will remind everybody, we promised at the beginning of the, the, the race, we're not going to talk about boring stages we're not we're just not, not going to say they're it boring wasn't, it wasn't boring they weren't it boring was it was just lucky interesting action. we yeah. found lots of interesting things to talk about today yeah it's part of the tapestry we refuse. it's part of the tapestry of the tour de france yeah the last 5k was insane today it was yeah. raining jasper philipson is a phenom he is cl- he's also far. the worst dressed rider in the peloton right now yeah the whole thing is not working don't like it he, he doesn't look fast but he is fast which i think is impressive yeah well, we will be back tomorrow. When we go from... <laughs> where do we go Who knows? from? Rowan to Belleville and Beaujolais. Correct. And nice it's a breakaway stage, probably. Let's hope so. It's, wow, almost definitely a breakaway stage. It's like a bunch Philippe? of Cat 2s, Cat 3s. Could be an Alphalief stage. He's been swashbuckling, but he needs, to, he needs to swash and not buckle. Yep. I think. Or buckle everyone else and not swash. Yes. I just like it when he does his little wriggly attacks. Like his, his, yeah, he gets a bit of a shimmy on and then you're like, ah, Alaphilippe is here. Who is it? One of my, one of my friends texted the other day and said that Nielsen Palace's attacks are quite dainty. <laughs> Ian has become obsessed with the Nielsen Palace's smile and in the interviews on <laughs> yeah, the podium. Honestly, when he's on the podium and, and he gets handed a, a polka dot jersey, he just does this. Re- I mean, it's an audio medium, so I can't really act it out. But he's got you a call deeply, deeply American smile. Yeah, deeply. I'm not really sure what a deeply American smile is. Like it's like a TV smile. TV smile. If if there was a way that they could add like a like a, a glint in post production, just like yeah. a, a little sparkly thing, and then a ding kind of sound effect, then they could. They they they. I should. have spoken with Nielsen a fair amount, and I have seen this smile in person. I don't think it's it's not put on. I don't no, we're not saying that. Yeah. We're not saying that at I all. Just, I just say that it's a... I mean, every smile's put on. Yeah. I think he's probably genuinely happy to be standing at a podium. I yeah, he's won it for half the race. Yeah. That. Anyway, <laughs> this is supposed to be the wrap-up. <laughs> uh, we'll be back tomorrow from Belleville en Beaujolais. Uh, Did I say Belleville? That is that's deeply upsetting. <laughs> Belleville. And then, so it's a it's a it's a lumpy stage tomorrow, and then we're back into some some climbing. Montagnes. That. So, yeah, can't wait. All right, join us from Belleville en Beaujolais tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye. <laughs>